Hello and welcome. I'm Carolyn and you're listening to Behind Bars. Today is an old case which still sparks curiosity 60 years later. It's got everything. Family, murder, madness, suicide and even ghosts. Yes, today I'll be investigating the infamous case of the Los Feliz murder house. If you live in Las Vegas or anywhere in Nevada really, I expect you'll have heard something about this house and the horrors that went on inside it. If nothing else, you'll have heard one of the thousands of rumours and ghost stories associated with it. I'm here to set the record straight and tell you what really happened all those years ago and how the murder house has become almost legendary. Let's start with the night itself, the 6th of December 1959. Seemingly unprompted and unplanned, Dr Harold Perelson woke up at 4.30am grabbed a hammer and smashed his wife's head in as she slept. Lillian remained unconscious and died from asphyxiating on her own blood. Harold moved on to his 18-year-old daughter, Judy. She woke to find her father hitting her in the head with his hammer. Unlike the attack on her mother, his aim was slightly off. Judy woke the neighbours and her younger siblings up by screaming, quote, Don't kill me, while Harold told her to calm down and lie still. She escaped from the house, praying her siblings would hide somewhere safe, and called the police from a neighbour's house. Harold spotted his other children, Joel and Debbie, who were 13 and 11 at the time, but didn't lay a finger on them. Instead, he told them, quote, go back to bed, this is a nightmare. Then he took two doses of Nembatol and mixed in 31 small tranquilising pills for good measure, and died. Nembatol also known as pentobarbital, is a very easy drug to overdose on, even if you don't mean to. In this case, it was obviously suicide because of what he'd done before he drank the concoction and all the other pills he'd taken at the same time that would have killed him if the Nembatol hadn't. The drug has sometimes been used to carry out the death penalty, but criminals aren't its only victims. Judy Garland and Marilyn Monroe are both believed to have died from an overdose of Nembatol. That's not particularly key to the story, by the way. I just thought it was an interesting fact. The police and the ambulance arrived, but they were too late. Both Harold and Lillian were dead. All the children survived that horrible night, but the experience must have taken its toll by now. As of the day this episode comes out, all of them are still alive. So, now you know what's happened, let's look into the motive, or lack of. Why would a father who, until the 6th of December, had seemed loving, sweet, and a great family guy in general, He never abused any of them or experienced abuse as far as we know, nor was he under the influence of alcohol or any other substances, until he overdosed of course. He never expressed any resentment towards his family. This is the person he presented to the outside world, the guy people knew and loved. What went wrong? To answer that question we have to go all the way back to 1957, two years before the murder-suicide. That year, all three of his children were involved in a car accident. They were rushed to hospital and fortunately recovered physically by the end of the year. Harold was ecstatic at first. He'd been very worried when he heard about the accident and feared for his children's lives. Relief flooded his body when he found out they would all be fine. But after the initial wave of relief, he realised that not everything was as great as it would seem. He was now left with huge hospital bills. The family had purchased their gigantic and expensive mansion only a few years earlier. With 12 bedrooms and 5,000 square feet of land, this place, although beautiful, cost Harold a fair penny. 
In the 1950s, his children were around the age that they would go on shopping trips all the time. It was mainly Judy and Lillian, but they would go off in different groups a lot, spending more and more money. This is all perfectly normal, of course. Judy was a teenager, their family was very rich in the early and mid-50s, and even if they weren't going on regular shopping sprees, they still had to spend a lot to feed and clothe the family. The Perelson family could have survived financially with all this outgoing money. Harold had a high-paying job, he was a cardiologist. But unfortunately, everything bad seemed to hit at once. For a long time, Harold had been working on a brand new syringe that he believed would revolutionise the workplace of him and other doctors. It had cost him thousands of dollars to plan and produce, but finally he got it just right. He was ready to go out and start selling them for profit, but he was too late. He was horrified to find that one of his colleagues had stolen the design and were now claiming the syringe was their own. He fought long and hard to be credited as the inventor. Eventually, he won the legal battle, but in the end, he only won $23,956, significantly less than he'd spent. With all these financial problems, Harold was not in a good place. He was extremely stressed and suffered many mental health problems, which were much less known or cared about in 1950s Nevada. In the last few months of his life, he'd been experiencing severe depression, amongst other things, and had attempted suicide multiple times. This only came out after the murder-suicide. His family had told everyone he'd had a few coronaries that had ended him up in the hospital. Lillian had tried to hide his condition from others for fear that it would negatively affect him, but she had made plans to commit him to a psychiatric hospital. He was due to leave by the end of the year, until he was in a better place. Unfortunately, Harold sent him and his wife to a different, better place, before he could ever be committed. Now let's move on to the house. It's become legend since 1959. The mansion was purchased the very next year by Emily and Julian Enriquez, for just over $2 million. The realtors didn't legally have to mention the tragedy that took place last year, but instead listed all the amazing features of the place that had caused the Perelsons to buy it themselves. The gorgeous architecture, the 5,000 feet of land, and the 12 giant bedrooms. Strangely enough, the Enriquez never moved into the mansion. The famous murder house was uninhabited for many years, but used for storage. Lots of curious people regularly showed up to the house in the 1960s to see what had become of the place. One person caught a photo through the window of a giant Christmas tree in the front room, surrounded by presents. A few people claimed they were left behind by the Perelsons, never moved like most of their other furniture. It soon became clear that the Perelsons were Jewish, so unlike many other things seen in the house, the trees and presents didn't belong to them. Another theory began that the Enriquez had rented it out to a family, but when the family learned of the events that had taken place a year earlier, they abandoned the place on the anniversary of the murder-suicide. Julian and Emily Enriquez owned the house for over 30 years, although they didn't visit much. When Emily died in 1994, her son Rudy inherited it. Rudy visited the place occasionally, but he too never moved in. Still, he never moved any of the Perelson's belongings. It was like a haunted house. Rudy also refused all offers to buy the mansion. In 2015, Rudy passed away with no children and not having left it to anyone in his will. Before it was put on the market again, a photographer was allowed in 
to take pictures of the legendary murder house with the furniture and belongings of the Perelsons that hadn't moved for 56 years. Soon after, a couple bought the house and stripped the mansion down to the base. They told the newspapers that they were planning to renovate and move in, but only a few years later, in 2019, it was on the market again. Who knows what the next twist in the tale will be? Who knows, even you could be the next owner of the place for three and a half million dollars. That was the case of the infamous Los Felix murder house. If you haven't yet, go follow Behind Bars on all the social medias and take a look at Patreon. All the links are in the podcast description. Have a good week!